Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. It's good to be among God's people, and it's good to know He's still on the throne. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm here to praise the name of Jesus. Amen? Because He alone is worthy. If you're here for any other reason, we're glad you're here anyway. <laughs> Aren't you glad to be in church tonight? Amen, amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be among God's people. Like I said, it's good to have Brother Caleb and I will say her name, Sister Katie, with us tonight. Um, it is his daughter-in-law, but sometimes he has so many kids and grandkids he forgets names. <laughs> Your name's George. <laughs> you know, it is his birthday this week, so he could be, you know, getting, no, I'm kidding. But uh, it is good to be in God's house. It's good to see all you smiling faces, and yes, it's still good to see the rest of you too. Uh, it's great to be in church. Amen? Amen. I, I, God has is doing some great things right here in Christian Life Tabernacle, and I'm, 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 depending on him to continue to do some great things. And tonight, I think he does have a word for us. I wonder if we could stand for just a moment one more time. We're going to read some scriptures, uh, and I promise I won't keep you long, uh, but I believe God has something for us tonight. In the book of Romans chapter 8, I'm just going to read a, a few selections here. In the verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Aren't you glad for that tonight? No combination to them which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Meaning we're walking with God versus after our own minds, thoughts, understandings, walking after the world or after sin, but now we're going to follow a God. There's no more condemnation for them. And then I would jump clear down to verse 14, and it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So I'm the son of God. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, that just puts you right there in the family. That gets you right there around the dinner table a little bit, right? That gets you an extra drumstick at Thanksgiving, right? That gets you right there. It says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. Of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's our Father. We are adopted into His family. Verse 16, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Heirs is the root term of inheritance. It's the root in there. Inheritance. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also glorify together. And for a few moments tonight, I want to speak on the topic of heritage. Pastor, would you pray? Amen. Before you're seated, give a high five to your neighbor and say, I have a heritage. Some of you believe that more than others, I think. But we have an heritage. See, something that I've always been interested in growing up was my heritage. I always wanted to learn about my family, my history, where we came from, you know, how we got to where we are. Uh, I mean, I, I, just from a very young age, my dad, you know, were the woods. And I, at a very young age, I learned that my, my grandmother on my dad's side was a direct descendant of, oh, I just lost her name. Uh, it's not Pocahontas. It's not Sacagawea. It's another one of those. Who was it? Someone please remind me. Oh, I just lost. It's one of those named female Indians or Native Americans. Boy, I just can't remember. But uh, now whether it's true or not, that's a whole different story. But we were, we were direct descendants of one of those great people. And on my mom's side, it was, it was always family. Like every holiday, you know, of, we had a family reunion of some sort. And, and all, the, all my, my mom's brothers and sisters were together. We get all of our cousins and we talk, you know, with grandma. And they, they talk about what, where, how they would grow up and where they came from. And they have these aunts and uncles. And I remember one time, uh, I, I remember very young traveling down or or my mom traveled down see these memories are so old they kind of get conflated 
associated with others that went down to uh, West Virginia somewhere to, to where all the bullies were and uh, got to meet a lot of those, the extended bully family. And, and it was just something that we were brought up with that was always so very interesting to me. My, 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 like I said, my, my paternal grandmother's side was Native American in part, and I'm not sure what else. My, my grandpa on that side was German, and, and my mom was uh, uh, German and Irish and Scottish and Ohioan and Appalachian, and I, I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff in there. And, and it, it got so interesting to us because uh, my mom actually started doing like those Ancestries.com, right, and started building the family tree. And we were doing things together. In fact, for one year for Christmas, I bought her a year membership to this. And part of it was that you could get that DNA testing. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? And she was able to track her, her family lineage way back. And it was just always something that was interesting to me. And, and it was kind of hard to explain. Why? I don't know those people, right? I, I actually never met my grandpa on my mom's side. Never met the man. His name was Clarence. It was his dad, right? I'd never met the man. Why, why, why would I care? I, he didn't, I don't know him. I never met my great-grandpa. I never met my great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, pa, father, whatever. Never met them. Why would those people interest me so much? And, and what, what's interesting to me is that I'm not unique in this. That I can probably look around here and not get very far of those here who have some interest in their ancestry anyone right right I, I, you kind of want to know who your grandparents were who your great-grandparents were like where did they come from what country did they originate in where 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 does it all come from who my family was history was was something that always amazed me i always liked old buildings and for me it wasn't just the things that happened in the old buildings. It didn't matter to me. I would go up to an old building and, and in my mind just start thinking about what it looked like before the building was there. And then how somebody decided that they were going to level that land off. And then my mind went to the actual bricklayer laying one brick, mortar, and then another brick, and then mortar. And like that's the thing that just fascinated me that somebody actually built that building. A real person. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago. That's why we went to Mexico a couple years ago, and, and I went, we, we paid extra money so we could go see really, really old buildings. I was very impressed. Christy went, yeah, it's an old building. It's, it's a lot of stone. Yep, yep, pretty cool. Yep, it's really old. It tore down half of it. Yeah, it's falling down. Can't live in it. But to me, it was super amazing. We got to see these pyramids and these big stones piled up, and they've been there for thousands of years, and they're not, you know, they're still there. It, it was amazing to me. I, I wanted to know what their jobs, I, I wanted to learn about my family, like what their day-to-day lives were, what their jobs were like, how did they live. It was just always intriguing to me. For, for a period of time, we lived down in Old Fredericktown. I don't know if anybody here knows where Old Fredericktown is, but we lived down there, and, and we had a family connection down there. My, my grandmother actually lived there, and then I'm trying to remember, it was my great-great-grandmother, right, was the, was the last postmistress of that little town. Her name was Elizabeth Longenecker. Apparently, as the bullies got, went down in generations, the longness went down, too. I'm not sure what happened. But she was the, her, her name was Elizabeth Longenecker, and her and her husband ran the post office. He died, actually, in the post office one day at work. He actually croaked right there on the floor, and then she took over until it finally closed. It was a general store and a, uh, and a, uh, a post office. And when I lived down there, I got to learn a whole bunch about our history, about the history of the town, and I just loved it. I loved living down there. My wife did not. We don't live there anymore. <laughs> you see how it goes. We didn't have cell phone service, and we didn't have high-speed internet. Had to leave. But it was so interesting to me. Over time, that the stories get conflated and distorted. But and, and what I remember about the stories of my life and what I've been told and, and all these things, it, it may not be exactly what happened because nobody ever wrote it down, but they're still part of our history. It's still part of my heritage. It's still part of who I am. 
You see, the reason why I think many of us get so interested in our ancestry and get interested on where we came from is somewhere in your life you become aware that whoever came before you is still a part of you today. It's why you are the way you are. Think about it. You are 50% one parent and 50% another parent. They are 50% of one parent and 50% of another parent, which makes you 25% of one of their parents. Yeah, the numbers add up, trust me. And it goes on and on and on. Literally, you are made up of all the people that came before you. There is a piece of them in you right now. It is part of who we are. It's how we got to where we are today. What was it that made my, my great, great, great whatever decide to get on a boat and come to America versus me being born in Germany or Scotland or Ireland or wherever else I may have been born? What was it? What was it that, no, it's so interesting. How did we get here? We can't know where to go unless we know where we've been, unless we know who our identity is. The church is not that different than individuals. We have a heritage. This church has a heritage. It has those that have come before that brought us to where we are today, that the church that you're sitting in right here, right now, has the very DNA of the very first church ever formed. I know we attribute the birth of the church largely to the book or the second chapter of the book of Acts. And and in fact, that is true that the modern church is said to be birthed there. But the heritage of the church starts well before Acts chapter 2. It goes all the way back to the beginning when God looked down on this earth and called out a man by the name of Abraham to be separate, to be a chosen people. And we know the stories, and I'm not going to go through the entire Bible. If you, if, you, if you need to understand that or hear that, please talk to me afterwards. We have a nice Bible study. We'll go through with you. It's called The Search for Truth. We'll go through it all. I promise you it's in there. But we know how Abraham was chosen out, and he had a son by the name of Isaac. And then Isaac had two boys named Jacob and Esau. And I won't go through those whole stories, but Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons uh, became the 12 tribes of Israel. And it would be out of these tribes of Israel that the Messiah would come. And in fact, it was out of one tribe called Judah. Judah was one of the sons of Israel. He was the fourth oldest, and he would be the, Judah would be the one that led the conquests to Canaan. He would be the one that would become a nation unto itself, the kingdom of Judah. David, the King David that you heard of, David and Goliath, that same guy, was born of the tribe of Judah. And eventually, as you go through the scriptures, you understand that Jesus would come from this same tribe. The Bible painstakingly lists all the begats and lineage of this and for the sake of time I'm not going to go through it but please read it for yourselves but the heritage of the church is directly tied to this as Jesus lived died and buried again he gave us the opportunity to be aligned and adopted into this exact family grafted in to be part of this heritage that started so long ago as we open with our, our, our opening scripture, it says that we are joint heirs with Christ. In fact, if we go back to those scriptures, it says, if we are of the Spirit of God, we are sons of God. And it goes in a little further. It says, you're not in bondage because you've received the Spirit of what? Adoption. That we can cry to Him as our Father. That when we, with the Spirit itself, bears witness that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, and if heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. You say, why is that so important? Well, think about it. If you are an heir to somebody, what does that mean to you? How many here would like to be an heir to Elon Musk right now? Come on now. He's the richest man in the world. It's a pretty good guy to be an heir to, right? He's one of those guys that's rich enough to have motive, you know, for him to go by right? How many would like to be, you know, heir to Bill Gates? Maybe that's a name you might know, right? To Rockefeller. That's an old money guy, 
J.P. Morgan. Come on. Right? Why? Because when you're an heir to somebody, anything that they have is in part yours. You have the rights and privileges to anything that the Father has. Come on now. And when He goes away, it actually comes to you. Oh, we're getting somewhere, folks. Our opening scripture says that when we are born of the Spirit, we become joint heirs with Christ. You see, when we become born again, I know we've, we've probably heard this term many, many times before, born again. In fact, there's a guy in the Bible named uh, Nebuchadnezzar who came to them and said, hey, what does this mean to be born again? He says, should I, should I you know, go back into my mother's womb and be, you know, be physically born again? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. That's kind of gross. Like, don't, don't think that. That's not what we're talking about. He says, that is born of flesh is born of flesh. You've done that part. He says, but that which is born of spirit is born of the spirit. He says, oh, okay, what, what does that mean? He says, well, you have to follow this plan of salvation of being born of the spirit. And you have to follow what Jesus did. Because again, if we're with Jesus, we're joint heirs, we've got to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus lived. Everybody alive here? Wave your hand if you're alive. All right, you got that? Come on, wave your hand. if You, you guys are not listening. Wave your hand if you're alive. It's okay. Yep, it's participatory tonight. Yep, come on. All right, you got that part down. All right, he says, but then you have to die. Everybody who's dead, wave your hand. You're dead? Wow, he's a lively dead folk. Lively dead folk. He says, you have to die, you have to be buried, and you have to raise again. You're like, wait a second, that's, that's kind of hard to do. True, true. He says, but this is of the Spirit. So we have to die spiritually. What does that mean? We have to be buried in the, we have to die and be buried in the likeness of his death and rise again. When we die, the Bible says it's repenting. Repenting. And what repenting is, is saying, God, I'm going to die to myself. I'm not going to let my will, but I want your will. I'm not going to do the things I want to do. I want to do the things you want to do. I'm going to stop doing the bad things, the wrong things, the sinful things, and I'm going to do the things that you want me to do. That's what we call repentance, saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, I've done things wrong, and I'm going to do my absolute best never to do that again. Dead. I'm dead to that world. I'm not going to do those things anymore. It's like I'm dead. Then it says we have to be buried with Jesus to get his name applied to us. And that's what we call is baptism. And baptism is merely being buried in water, completely covered and in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says for the remission of sins. What does remission mean? For the payment. So you said, I'm sorry for my sins, but now I want them paid for. I want them gone. And the Bible says when we are baptized in Jesus' name, it's like we were buried and it's gone. It's gone forever. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Bill is paid in full. Woo! I like bills paid in full. We just sold a house in Cincinnati. And yes, we did a jig when it happened because it's been a long 18 years of that house we've owned in Cincinnati. And we sold it, and I got on my desk right now a letter from my, my mortgage company. It says, last payment received, paid in full. It's just a piece of paper to them, but to me, that is a very powerful piece of paper, amen? When you get that bill that says paid in full, it's something I don't have to worry about anymore. It's a, it's a weight lifted off my shoulders. It's something that I don't have to take care of anymore. It, it is, and, and here's the great part about it. I didn't pay it. Another guy bought it from me, and he paid the bill. And it's just like that with God. I didn't have to do anything. I just said, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. I get baptized. And he pays the bill for me. And he says, you're baptized. That is what baptism is all about is for the payment of sins. And then he says, how do we be a likeness in resurrection? Is we receive that gift of the Holy Ghost. He says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you on to your own uh, uh, devices. But I'm going to lead, guide you, and direct you to all truth and righteousness. And that is what this gift of the Holy Ghost that we talk about so many times is all about and when we are repentant and we are baptized and we receive that gift of the holy ghost the bible says that we are in the spirit and therefore join ears with him that we may also be glorified together what does that mean that means we become members of the family full-fledged with all the benefits and attributes that go along with it we become part of god's family 
See, so many places you say you have to become a member of the church or of a, of, of a congregation, but that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says there's one God, one faith, one baptism. There's one body above all, and there's one God that's in us all above all, and, and, and I don't remember the rest of the Scripture, but there's just one. And you don't get, a church, you get a, uh, to be a part of a church, but you get to be a part of a family of God. And that's what I want tonight. I don't want to just be a part of a church, but I want to be part of a family. A family with a heritage. A family with with a history, a family with something that I can build upon, that I can be proud of. You see, when we become parts of the family of God, we get all the benefits of the children of God. Just like if you were an heir to the fortune of J.P. Morgan or Rockefeller or Elon Musk or whoever you want to uh, uh, decide in, the, in your imagination, you get all the benefits. You receive all the attributes of the ancestors and the family of Jesus Christ. We get all the characteristics of the heritage of that tribe of Judah. We get it all. I mean, think about it. We've got some people in here that represent a family that if you said their name, you're going to get one of two reactions. Oh, I know them. Or, oh, I know them. Come on. You know those families. I remember we, we were we actually was living down in Fredericktown, and I can't remember the family's name for the life of me. So don't, even if you said it, I probably wouldn't know it. And I said the name to somebody, and they said, oh, we know them. I'm like, what? They're fun people. They're fine. They're like, they're nice to me. They're like, oh, but this one does this and that one does this. And you don't know about this one and that one and the other one. I'm like, you're right. I don't know any of those people, but I know, you know, these ones and they're pretty nice. But that family name sticks with you. Right? Trust me, I have two sides of the family. One side we, we meet with every holiday. The other side I meet with every funeral. <laughs> Some of you caught that. But when you become part of the family of God, you get all the characteristics, all the attributes, all the reputation that comes along with it. So who cares? What does that mean? So like I said at the beginning, the heritage of the church goes a long way back. And it's rooted in this tribe of Judah. And the more I dug into this, Boy, the more time we could spend here tonight. Don't worry, I'm not going that far. But I guarantee you, just a little bit that I'm going to come out with tonight is just scratching the surface. And I hope somebody here goes in and does a study on the tribe of Judah because it is fascinating to think of all the parallels and all the things that have happened between Judah and what God is doing for the church. See, each tribe, each of the children of Israel or, or of Jacob, uh, had became a tribe of Israel. I, I don't, again, I don't know if you know about the tribes of Israel. If not, we have a Bible study. We can go through with that with you. But they became these tribes, and there were 12 tribes of Israel, and each tribe had their own job. So again, if you don't know the history, they were wandering around in the wilderness. Some people say wandering, but they were really being ordered by God to go around in circles because they weren't ready for the promised land according to God's plans. So they were going through the wilderness, and they had each one had their own job to do, and because as they were going through, they also had what they called the tabernacle in the wilderness, where they had to set it up in the middle of their camp, and, 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 each, and each one had a certain place they had to camp around, and each one had their certain jobs that they had to do, and even when they were marching in the battle, they had a certain order that they were in, always. Everything was organized. Everything was in order. Everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do. In fact, like the Levites uh, of, of the lineage of Levi, obviously, uh, they were the priests. God assigned them to be the priests. They were the ones that take care of the tabernacle. And again, we're not talking about, when I say a tribe, we're not talking about 100 people or 200 people. We're talking about, like, some people estimate upwards of 6 million people wandering around. That's a, large, that's a big old dust ball when they walk through the desert, right? That's, that's quite a bit, few people. But we're, so the Levites, their jobs were to be the priests and to take care of the tabernacle. Judah's position, again, long, long story, but he actually got raised in position because of Reuben and Simeon's uh, of sinful nature. I'll just put it that way. And they got ro uh, raised in position, and their job was to lead the remaining jobs directly behind the Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant. 
That was their job. As they marched through into battle, as they marched through the wilderness, as they camped about the tabernacle, they were the ones right there at the east gate. They were the ones that were right in front of leading uh, of the rest of the tribes of Israel. The word of God or the spirit of God went forth as part of the Ark of the Covenant, and Judah's responsibility was be, to be right behind them. And their one job to do as they marched through was to be the worship leaders. Because where the Spirit of God was, worship followed. Where the Spirit of God was, praise followed. To get into the house of the Lord, where again Judah sat, it had to go, you had to basically go through Judah to get in to the house of God. You had to go through that camp of praise to get into the house of God. Judah's responsibility was to be the worship leaders of Israel. And they didn't get this by chance. Even the Hebrew name for Judah, when Judah, the little baby, was born, his name was given as Judah because Leah actually said, Now will I praise thee. Now will I lift up my voice and give heed to God. This time will I praise you. This time will I thank you. The very name of Judah was praise. And from then to now, as we look through the lineage of how the church came to be from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah, Judah to Ruth and Boaz, if we want to go through there, to David, all the way up to where Jesus was born, where he died, he was buried, he rose again and came to us again in in, in the upper room. It was all uh, built upon praise. We have always been a people of praise. Even Mary, when she walked into her cousin's room, after, after, after she was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, again, you can read this in, in the first chapter of Luke, she walked into Elizabeth's room. And as soon as she walked into the house, the Bible says the baby within Elizabeth leaped. That was John the Baptist, if you don't know this. Leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth began to prophesy, saying, Blessed art thou among women. We know about that scripture, right? She says, why is the mother of the Lord coming into my house? It was already prophesied that Mary was carrying the Christ child. And Mary's response, and she said in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I don't care where you want to go back in Scripture. I don't know where you want to go. Our heritage, our attributes, and everything that is about this church is rooted in one thing and one thing only, and that is praise. That is worship. That is magnifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. From the very inception of what we are, it was built and founded upon the thing we call praise. The history and heritage of church, this religion, this movement, is founded and originated in praise and worship. If we are heirs of Christ and he, He is an heir of Judah, then I want you to know tonight that you and you and you and me are nothing more than a child of praise. We are a child of Judah. It doesn't matter what we were in the past. All that matters now is that I've been grafted in. I've been adopted in. I've taken on the attributes of what God wanted me to do and now I am a child of praise. Come on, let's give Him praise tonight. We are joint heirs with him. We are children of praise. See, the entire New Testament church is built on praise. Is built on worship. That's why when you want to receive this gift of the Holy Ghost that's freely given after you've repented, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you're saying, God, I want to receive this gift that is freely given to everybody. Where is it found? It's found on the other side of praise. See, so, so many people try to get to it through fear. So many people try to get to it through guilt. So many people try to get it through through so many other means. But I'm here to tell you, if you just lift up your hands, lift up your 
voice and let God know how great and how awesome and how marvelous he is. I want you to know the Spirit of God is going to come on you. It's, going to, it's not going to be far behind because where the Spirit of God is, there is praise. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, give thanks to the Lord in all things. Why? This is the will of God in Christ concerning you. It is the will of God that you praise. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter how good it is or how bad it is. The will of God is that you praise. The will of God is that you worship. So you were built for praise. You were born for praise. You were chosen for praise. Praise is who you are. Hallelujah. You see, Judah would lead the way into the presence of God. And the only way you could get there was through praise. It was their birthright. It was what they were raised and trained to do. Think about it. Some of the other kids in the other tribes, they were trained to be carpenters. And build beautiful items and they built the furniture that was in the tabernacle, the beautiful uh, uh, table of showbread and the, and the altar of incense and the altar of uh, uh, the brazen laver and the, and the brazen altar. And they, they, they built all the, the tent poles with the, with the different uh, uh, things about it. There were some that were skilled and they were taught and they were brought up how to be great seamstresses and, and how, to, how to craft the curtains of the, of the different colors and how they would put the tassels on and the different decorations. And there were painters that would know how to paint the, the, the graphical uh, uh, depiction Pictures on the different pieces of furniture on the walls of the tabernacle. There were cooks that would learn how to bake bread, uh, uh, especially that of the, of the table, and, and, and how to feed everybody. There were those who were learning every kind of trade you could think of that would be necessary for survival in the wilderness. But then there was Judah. Judah's birthright was worship. From a young age, they would be taught how to praise God. They would be taught about the goodness of God. They would be shown how to lift, how to lead others in worship, how to sing songs and how to play instruments, how to blow the horn and how to, to ring the timbrels. Why? Because it was their birthright. It was who they were. Judah learned, learned what it meant to lead in worship. They knew that it was important. They knew it was just part of their lives. It became an attribute of who they are. It became a characteristic of every person in the tribe that when they needed something and they needed to get to God that all they had to do was find a child of Judah and they would praise and they would worship and the spirit of God would come they learned that as they were watch marching in the battle that if they didn't go behind Judah that it wasn't going to work he said look it was it was when who, who led the Israels to victory Judah led the way behind the ark of the covenant who was the entrance into the tabernacle before you got into the tabernacle you had to go through Judah and then as you got into the holy of holies place the last thing you had to go through anybody remember was the altar of incense the semblance of, of the praises of a sweet-smelling savor going up before God. You had to go through praise. Everything that they needed, needed to go through praise. Let me tell you tonight, anything that you're needing from God right now, any situation, any sickness, anything that you have, I want you to understand, it's found on the other side of praise. If you need something from God, go through praise. If you have a problem in your life, it's go through praise that's the door that's how you get into the presence of God you see when you praise God and you lift him up and you lift him up and worship and in praise you are literally claiming your birthright because you are a child of Judah but what big deal is that what's what is the power or importance of a birthright you see in these times, the birthright was a very important thing. We know the stories of, of Jacob and Esau, how Esau sold his birthright to, 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 Jake, or, uh, yeah, to Jacob, or as some might say, Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. We know the stories of the rich young ruler or the, or the, or the prodigal son when he left, and he said, 
Give to me my portion now. Let me go. And he went and wasted away in riotous living. We know about those stories, but understand the importance of the birthright. It was reserved typically for the oldest to get a double portion of the blessing. They were, their birthright was a gift from their father of whatever the father had to give. Not only was it that, it gave them authority in the family. If you have the birthright, it, you can get, again, rarely into the technical details. I don't want to get into it, but it gives you authority for when the father is departed. The one who has the birthright is now the head of the family. They have the judicial authority or the leading of the family. When we step into the Spirit of God and we actually step into praise and worship, we are literally claiming the birthright that comes from Judah. Remember, Judah was raised in level above Reuben and Simeon, and actually Simeon's property became part of Judah. Again, I don't want to get into all those details. Like I said, there's a lot here to unpack, folks. And I promise you, if you study, you will, your mind will be blown away. But when we praise God, we get the birthright of Judah. And what that means is we get that double portion of what God has for us. Think about that for a second. God, I get blessed. Awesome. Everybody's blessed. Even the people who've never heard of who Jesus is, don't pray, don't go to church, who actually actively say there is no God. Guess what? They're still blessed. And that's okay. That's fine. I have nothing against those people. I'm glad God blesses those. Because you know what? God loves everybody. He does. He died. Show me one human being that God did not die for, and I'll give you a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, but I don't have to give it because he died for everybody. He loves everybody. He blesses everybody. One scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust, right? He blesses everybody. Everybody gets blessed, and it's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad that God blesses everybody. But for those who have the birthright of the Father, a special blessing is reserved called a double portion. Now think about this. If you... If everybody gets a standard amount of blessing, if you can define or, or even quantify what a blessing is from God, which again is another whole study we could get into. But if you could do that and think about all the things that God does for you, just in normal day, he wakes you up, he gives you air to breathe, you got water, you got shelter, you've got family, you've got friends, you've got money in your pocket, hopefully. If not, then you have Still some kind of food, I'm sure. Nobody here is starving, and if you are, let me know. We'll give you some food. But, I mean, we're, we've, we're pretty well blessed if you really think about it. But when we step into our birthright and we start saying, okay, I'm going to claim the birthright of Judah, of praise, God says that gives us into the place of a double portion. That is those manifold blessings that God talks about. That is those blessings that are filled up, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Why? Because now I've stepped into alignment to what God has for me. I've stepped into the position of where God is. Think about if you're filling up a bucket with a, with a pipe. I'm not going to do it here. I'll get messy. I say, I have a bottle of water here. I could do it, but I'm not going to. And I started filling that thing up and the water, and I just don't have that bucket in the exact right place. We used to do this downstairs a lot before I figured out that he had a contraption to hook up to the sink. That we fill up the bucket, and you have this, 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 uh, this pipe thing you put in there. And if it's not right in the right place, you know what you get? A mess. That's what you get. The water just kind of goes everywhere. Some of it gets in the bucket. Some of it gets there. But some of it gets on the floor, and some of it gets, you know, on your shoes, and some of it gets into places that it's not supposed to be, so you have to get the mop out. You know, that's what happens, because the bucket isn't exactly where it's supposed to be. But the moment you get everything lined up, that water flows directly from the sink, right through the pipe, right into the bucket, and fills it right up. 
with nothing being, you know, wasted or, or misaligned. Why? Because we've got perfect alignment. When you come into the presence of God with praise, when you come into the presence of God with worship, when you come into the presence of God thinking about him more than thinking about yourself, when you come into the presence of God that way, you align yourself to receive all the blessings. Nothing's getting wasted over there. Nothing's getting pushed over there because why? I've got myself perfectly aligned with God because my mind is on him. My body is on him. My strength is on him. I'm thinking about him. It's all about him. That's what happens when we get and start claiming the birthright of Judah. Not only that, but we get into the, we have the authority of the father. We have the authority of the father that we can go out and actually speak the name of Jesus. We sing that song tonight that we speak the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, you know, sickness has to flee. At the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. At the name of Jesus, we can say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea and it must go. At the name, we have that authority. How? When we come in to the praise of his name. That's what's going on. You see in First Peter uh, Paul or Peter said this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that what you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people that are supposed to show forth the what? Come on. Praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's all about praise. That's why there's power in praise. That's why there's authority in praise. It's your position in the kingdom of God. And when we operate in our position, God can operate in his and do only what God can do. Amen. That's why when I lift up my hands and praise and, and when I sing, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise God for saving me. That's why when I lift my hands and I clap my hands and I lift up my voice, I'm just claiming my birthright of a child of Judah. I'm just living out my heritage in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm just exercising my God-given right. I'm just Train my heritage. Others may be trained in this or that, but my family is a family of worshipers. My family is a leader of praise. My family is one that's going to lead. My family is one that when times are good and when times are bad, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. Why? Because I'm a child of Judah. Because I'm a child of praise. I'm a child of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, this place is a nice church, right? It's a pretty good place, but honestly, there's a reason why we can say we want to leave this place and not even think about it. We want a new building. If anybody has one, let me know. If you want to give to us. You see, there's nothing special about this. In fact, Ethan, are you back there? Turn those lights off for, for a second. You turn those lights off for me. Just turn them off. I'm going to show you something here real quick. It's just it's a little different. Shh. Why don't you go to black screen? And people on live stream are going, it just went dark. I don't know what happened. They weren't listening anyway. Don't worry. When I come into this place, usually, this is pretty much how we find it. Right? Usually it's him or me that are here first. We sometimes race. And when we come in, the lights are off. There's no sound. You didn't hear that, did you? There's no sound. Shh, there's no music. There's nobody here. And we walk around and you go upstairs, you go downstairs. We, we'll check to make sure the water's not on. We'll check the garbage, right? Sweep the walks. We'll do whatever it is. This isn't necessarily a unique building even in East Liverpool. It's just a building. What makes it so special? What makes it a sanctuary? What makes it 
a church. Go ahead, Ethan. You can put that back on. What makes it? Is it the lights? Is it the songs? Is it the sound? Is it the air conditioner? It becomes a sanctuary. It becomes a church. It becomes a house of worship when we bring our praise into the place. This place in of it by itself is just a building. That's why if, if a wind came and knocked it all over, we could still have church. Come on now. That's why when the COVID came through, we still had church. Whether it was here or remotely, we still had church. Why? Because the church and our lineage is not bound to a building. It's not bound to an organization. It's part of our heritage. It's who we are. It's what we've become. It's something we've been born into. It's something that we are. We are children of God, children of Judah. We are children of praise tonight. In Psalms, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with kindness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that, that, that the Lord, he is God. He has made us and not we ourselves. What? We are his people, right? And the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Understand that praise and worship is the one thing that God can't give himself. Think about it. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the scripture says. And then we add to it, he also owns the hills. He owns everything there is and everything there ever will be. He's able to provide every one of our needs. There is nothing too hard for our God. The one thing he can't do for himself is praise. That's our job. You see, to come into a building like this, to make it a church, to make it a sanctuary, we have to bring it in with us. The scriptures we just read, it said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It doesn't say enter into his gates of thanksgiving or into his gates of praise. So many times I think that's how we interpret the scripture, that when we come into church, praise and thanksgiving already is there. And we can just bask in the presence of God. That's not how it works, folks. We shut the lights off. We shut the sound off. It's just a building, folks. Ain't nothing special about it. But it says when you enter into his gates, to get into his gates and to get into his courts where the spirit of God is, it says enter into it with something. With thanksgiving. That's how you get into his gates. How do I get into his courts? I have to enter it with praise. I've got to bring it. I have to do it. it. It doesn't say it's already there. It doesn't say that, you know, you're just going to experience it when you get there. Nope. I have to bring it with me. Why? Because that's my birthright. That's who I am. That's my responsibility. That's my job. As Judah was trained from very small to make sure that they were leading and make sure that they were praising, to make sure they were going to lead Israel in worship, we too have to be sure that no matter what's going on, I've got to make sure my praise is on point. I've got to make sure my worship is in gear. I've got to make sure I'm bringing it every single day. Why? Because if I don't, I'm not going to get into the presence of God. I'm not going to get what I need. I'm not going to go where I need to go, where God wants me to go. You want something from God? You want to get something out of coming to church week after week after week? So many times I see people, they come and they go, I, I go to church, but nothing seems to be changing in my life. If you want something to happen, you've got to enter it with praise. It's on the other side of it. It's the key that unlocks the blessings of God. It is the path into the presence of God. Why? Why is it, Brother Mike? Think about it for just a moment. I'm, I'm wrapping up, I promise you. Think about this. When I praise God, I'm putting my trust in Him. Hey, what are you talking about? You're telling me you're, you, you, all, all what praise and worship is is telling God how awesome and how great he is and thanking him for everything you're doing. Yep, yep, that's exactly what it is. But really what I'm doing is I'm putting my trust in him because think about this. When, when things are good, I'm thanking him for what he's been doing. 
God, thank you for my life. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my food. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for, you know, my good church. Thank you for all the great things. And God, I attribute those blessings to you, not anything I did, but you did those for me. I'm trusting you that those were from you. Now, they slipped the script. Things are horrible. My wife's leaving me. My kids hate me. I just lost my job. I'm a really bad country song, right? Dog ran away with my truck. I mean, it's really, really bad. I still walk in with praise. Why? Because now I have to trust him for what he's going to do. God, I know it looks real bad right now, but God, I'm going to thank you anyway for giving me life. God, I'm going to worship you anyway for who you are because I know what you can do. God, I, I'm, going, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to worship you anyway because, yeah, if you look at Job, he lost everything that he had, but God restored it all to him. You see, the reason why praise is so powerful and so important because good or bad, I'm trusting and depending on God. Either way, I'm having faith in him. And as we know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I can't please God, then I can't expect to be aligned to God. And if I'm not aligned with God, then I can't expect to have the kind of blessings that are overflowing. If I want to get something out of God, if I want to have fruit for my labors, if I want to have fruit for what I've been putting into these services, I've got to put it in through praise. I've got to worship. I've got to let God know how great he is. I've got to let him know how wonderful he is with a sincere heart, with a sincere heart, with a true. We, we, we've got to be truthful about it, but we've got to give God praise. Otherwise, we're never going to get where we need to go. Paul and Silas got out of prison. It was through praise. What do we do daily? We do it all in the in word or deed in the name of Jesus by giving thanks to him. What's going to happen through all eternity? We're going to be sitting around the throne of God, casting our crowns at his feet, saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. And every creature, it says, that was ever been, it will, will fall down and worship him that lives forever and ever. Can we stand tonight? See, it's time to realize that our heritage of who we really are with our heritage. We are children of praise. We are children of Judah. In John chapter 4, it says, The hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. You see, we have to understand that the one, like I said, the one thing that God can't do for himself is worship and praise. That's what we are supposed to do. And he's looking, he's searching, he's trying to find those people who are willing to give that sacrifice of praise. When we look through the Old Testaments and we actually start looking at, at what they did in the tabernacle and what they did through the temple era and, and all through up, the way they gave praise was literally through sacrificing of animals. And they would, they would kill these animals, the blood would run out, and that was their worship offering. It was their sacrifice. They had to pay money for the, for the, for the, uh, for the, for the animal, and then they had to actually go through the process of, of sacrificing. Today, it is still a sacrifice. But it's not of finances. All it is is of your heart, your mind, and your will. It's still a steep price for many. But if we just humble ourselves and let God know, first God, I know you are great and I am not. That I have not done everything right. That's the, that's the repentance part. And God, I need you. I need you in my life. And then just start letting him know how awesome he is, how great he is, and thank him for the things that he's done in your life. I want you to know you're going to start feeling something different. How do I know that? Because everything you need from God 
is just on the other side of praise. Throughout all of history, where the Spirit of God was, right follow them was praise. When the church was birthed, they were in the upper room. Again, in Acts chapter 2, it says they were sitting in one place and in one accord. There came a sound out of heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And it says, the, the Bible says there came a, uh, uh, there was a, a, a cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat on each of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit God gave them others. They began worshiping God in an unknown language. But what's interesting to me is when everybody who was in the area heard them speak in that unknown language. It was unknown to the people speaking, but known to everybody who heard them. There were people from from Crete, and there was people from Greece, and there were people from all different nations, and they heard them, the Bible says, speaking in their own language. And they said, how can this be? These are unlearned men. They are just fishermen. They, They don't know these languages, but they're speaking. But it wasn't just that they were speaking in their language. It wasn't that they were uh, quoting the law book or or quoting some kind of play. What they were doing was praising and magnifying God and telling of all of his marvelous works. The very birth of the church was founded on worship. If you want something to happen tonight, if you want something to happen in your life, if you want something supernatural to occur to say, God, are you even real? I want you to know it can be found right here tonight on the other side of praise. It's who you are. It's claiming your birthright. You are a child of Judah. You are a child of praise. And as the scripture in Philippians say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I wonder tonight if we have anybody who wants to claim their birthright, who wants to come right now and say, God, I'm just here to magnify your name. I'm just here to lift you up tonight for you alone are worthy. Come on. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight who wants to be a child of praise. Who wants to lift their voice? Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's make a joyful noise. Let's shout with a voice of triumph. Let's thank God for what He's doing, what He has doing. Come on, let's praise God together.
that tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Mike Wood, for such a wonderful message. I don't know what you've come to do, but I've come to praise the Lord. Praise God. And he, man, it's just been a great service. I want to thank Christy Kay for singing with us tonight. Praise God. And uh, it's so good to have Katie with us. Praise God. And it's so good to have her, her husband with us tonight, too. Praise God. I have stage fright. And if I'm afraid I'm going to mess up, I go blank. And it's a very big fear. And I did not want, I knew her name, but I was, uh, it just messed up. And I get very, very afraid. And, and the thing of it is, I tell people about it because I'm not going to let my, my fears stop me from doing things I need to do. Um, I used to, I would get up and I would look at the word is, in, although in my mind I would say that was is, I was so afraid that I could not, I would say it wrong, that I couldn't say anything. And I would look at it and it would be is, is, is. And in my mind it's like, you're going to mess it up, you're going to say it wrong. And before you know it, I could not say it, that word is. And uh, it's just one of my situations. And so am I not going to get up and preach? Am I not going to get up and do things? Am I not going to get up and do these things because I have that fear? And I was so afraid, I knew her name, but I was so afraid that I would say it wrong. And so, but that's not going to stop me. Amen. And I just share it with you. Don't let your fear stop you. If you have a fear of riding a bike, get out there and ride a bike. Just recently, I have never really swimmed. And I had a fear of really swimming in water. And I got out, and I do a lot of swimming now. But don't let your fears stop you. Praise God. Go past your fears. Amen. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for your presence and your spirit. God, I'm thanking you for this night. I'm thanking you, Lord, for the message. I'm thanking you, Lord, for the people that have come together and has brought this the way it is. God, I'm going to give you all the praise. I'm going to give you all the glory for everything that you've done. In the precious name of Jesus, I love you and praise you. Keep your protecting hand upon the people and bring us back at your appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everyone say amen?